0: listening to Picard Talk exclusively on the Pod Station Welcome listeners to another episode of Picard Talk This week is episode 10 Et in Arcadia ego part 2 and once again, the two marks are delivering an irreverent review, providing you lively debate, conversation, and social commentary. Resistance is futile as we go where no podcast has gone before. We're stuck between Spock and a Picard place, energising our latest episode to you. Will Sutra get all 50 shades of L. Grey with Narek? Will we get answers to the collective with a smoggersborg? Has Synthfield become a downloadable app on Google Play? Will Picard communicate with the Romulans? for the rom-com. All this and more will be unpacked in this week's episode. Let me introduce my friend and co-host Mark Pollard. Hi mate.
1: <laughs> Hi. I'm stuck. We're communicating over deep space because we're all in isolation. Some of us probably should be in isolation all the time but we're all supposed to be in isolation temporarily hopefully. There's a differential in the sound quality because we're usually face-to-face mano-a-mano whatever you say it. All
0: oh, that's Spanish.
1: We're looking at each other over a computer screen.
0: Rather weird actually
1: does feel a bit weird in fact where's me person emoji there's me weird hey. there's emojis that we can obviously play at so if you hear an occasional pause during the course of this podcast it means one of us has been distracted by a new tool or a new function that we found and being typical blokes we're completely incapable of doing any form of multitasking yep there goes another one <laughs> <laughs>
0: It comes across like I'm having a stroke.
1: This is it. This was the big finale of the show we have dedicated our lives to for the last 10 weeks, mate.
0: We've arrived.
1: We're we're here. We're there. It's finished.
0: What did you think? (sighs) Oh,
1: I don't know. You know, there were some really cool bits in this. I thought there was some... Oh, my God. It was a complete yin-yang of an episode. There was some... Great stuff in here. So there were some real emotional scenes that I thought they nailed. I thought there was some fantastic callbacks, which were beautiful. I thought there was some stunning one-liners throughout the course of this episode. However, all of the things that I feared would happen, happened. There was huge story threads that they didn't have time to wrap up neatly. So they just culled them or ignored them. It felt like a Next Generation episode. It was like, whatever's gone on before, we'll ignore the bits we don't have time for will kind of just cull there and then. And then we'll move on.
0: Yeah, it distracts the viewer.
1: Which was fine in the early 90s, but TV's moved on a lot since then, and I'm not sure you can get away with that kind of storytelling anymore. What did you think?
0: Yeah, much the same. It was a bit of a roller coaster for me. Yeah, I would agree with the points that you've just made. A lot of the episodes we've seen, we've talked about this before, seem to move certain plot lines forward quicker than others. And I could probably say that I felt like I was on a merry-go-round not really going anywhere some of the stories as you've mentioned seem to be neglected for other plot points yeah i would just generally agree with what you said however i did enjoy the episode i must say and i'm not sure whether that was because like you were with the diana troy and riker centric episode earlier in the season There was that nostalgia element that kind of allowed me to ignore the fact that certain plot points were overlooked or not adequately answered.
1: Yeah. Before we move and thoroughly deep delve into episode 10, we have some comments to pick up on from the last show. Shall we go through those first before we start getting our elbows deep in? (laughs)
0: Like James Herriot in All Creatures Great and Small... Exactly. Hailing Frequencies Open.
1: So on social media, we asked you, as we do every week indeed, uh, what you thought of the episode that you'd watched. This was about episode nine, which was the first part of this one, and we asked what your thoughts were. We have Bobby's 73. He said, I've watched the entire series so far. You guys have done an outstanding job. I hope Bobby's talking about us, not the TV show. Let's assume he is. (laughs) Thank you, Bobby. Yeah, cheers, Bobby. Love you back. And if you didn't mean us, please don't let us know anymore because we're happy to to live in that bubble um i was expecting more now that might be him talking about us <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting more, but that is typical of us Trekkies. The bottom line is, I can't wait for the crescendo. I think right. he, he's sort of a little bit on the same lines as us there, where you kind of just you gloss over quite a lot of the stuff that perhaps you'd norm- mm. you wouldn't let slide on an ordinary TV show. Cheers, Bobby. That was in response to the Twitter poll that we run every episode as well on what people thought. So 50% of you thought that this was a great episode. We called that Captain JL is back. 40% of you thought it was a good episode. So they liked the Rafi one-liner. Only 5% of you thought it was a synth's wardrobe or that it was terrible, which we described it as just assimilate me. The general (laughs) feeling of part one of this was quite positive. We also threw on there the question of who would be the most annoying crewmate of the La Serena gang and why, and the results are in. It's suffice to say that 100% of you thought that Dr. (laughs) Jurati would be the most annoying (laughs) crew member on the ship.
0: Well I for one agree.
1: Well, Kai Fox said, I'm sorry, how could I nominate anyone other than Gerati? Meedy, <laughs> weepy, might try to kill you. Also, Rios is chill, Raffy will share joints and chocolate cake, and Picard will leave you alone mostly and probably has great stories to tell. Soji and Elnot are also alright, I guess. Couldn't disagree with that one.
0: I agree. Gerati would just eat your cake, vomit up, and then start crying. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We also had Beren07 who said, Agnes, she's awful. (laughs) i thought that was great he also followed it up with i'm ready to leave her on the planet come season two (laughs) somebody posted it was betty mosner she posted her comment he or she don't know posted it in spanish google translate came out as (laughs) gerati plus a little bit of other stuff but it was still gerati suffice to say gerati you are not welcome on this shit ciao see you later so those were the general thoughts of you guys out there make sure you let us know what your thoughts are this time because we really 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 want to know you can get us on Instagram Facebook Twitter it's at Picard Talk stick your comments within the post we can then find them the Twitter poll for this episode is open now go find it there is a limited time to stick your comments in we'll give you a shout out because although this is the last episode we will be doing a full season review we're going to get Matt and Ben back on the show as well so they can throw their two pennies worth into the ring so we'll read out your comments on this episode and the season as a whole on that show should we delve deep and hard
0: let's thrust elbow deep into this episode the two marks deep delve. do you want me to read this week's synopsis
1: please do sir
0: in the season finale a final confrontation on the synthetics homeworld Capellius puts picard and his team against the romulans as well as the synths who seeks to safeguard their existence at all costs Discuss.
1: Hmm. Where do we start here? Do we want to go through it chronologically or should we just jump around as we normally do?
0: Let's start at the beginning. And if we jump around, well we jump around, then I suppose we'll circle back to the beginning and pick up the bits that we've
1: missed. We start off with Narik, who's creeping onto the Borg vessel like a stealth ninja, somehow manages to avoid every single XB that was on that ship. <laughs> cunningly tiptoes <laughs> past Seven and Elnor, who seem to be doing very little at this point. What is their plan of
0: action? Well, both Elnor and Seven of Nine just looked a little bit depressed, if I'm being honest. Didn't seem to be doing much of anything. I, I tell you what I did notice, though, that the Borg Cube seemed to look like a apartment block that you would find in Liverpool or Koldy. <laughs> it seemed to be submerged this week. I don't know where all the water came from, because last week, if people remember from the last episode, the Borg Cube was just in sand now the tide seems to have come in no idea where the tides come from very strange
1: <laughs> rizzo quite amusingly referred to it as her sea view
0: <laughs> so where did the sea come from
1: i don't know maybe the just... since made it it's uh by the sea since sea by the sea well i'll tell you what let's approach this from a different perspective last week we were wondering why sexy soji let narik out to go away and do stuff What yeah. we established was She just let him go For no apparent reason whatsoever He didn't seem to do anything Or had any plan whatsoever That helped the Synths In any way, shape or form In fact, letting him go In the way that they did Gave him Camp Blanche To do whatever he wanted to do Which in his opinion Was to get everyone to help And defeat the Synths
0: Yeah, and then creep back Onto the board queue Which is the place He'd just come from
1: Exactly Well, I thought him and Rizzo Were completely wasted characters In this episode episode she gets killed off after five minutes because they can't think of a thread to use for her in this yep. episode and narek disappears i mean we don't even know where he went did we he didn't beam up onto a romulan ship so far as we're aware oh. was with the la serena but and then he went to try and help destroy the doodah me what's it
0: oh you mean the uh the pylon that they were building
1: didn't appear to leave when all the romulan ships disappeared well he can't have even been left with the federation ships because they all buggered off didn't they pretty
0: sharpy. well it just seems to go back to what you said earlier which is the character plot lines for some of the characters were just thrown away just misused i mean the fight scene between seven of nine and narissa should have been one of the major final scenes of the season you know the big showdown between two strong female leads within the story it was just over in less than a minute i mean wasn't particularly well choreographed there wasn't a lot of thought that went into it it just seemed to be we need to really get this character out of the episode now so we can move on
1: yeah it was and it didn't really serve a huge purpose because i don't even know what she was trying to do on that
0: shit yeah there wasn't much to the fight was there there was a bit of rough and tumble and then she was thrown like emperor palpatine over the edge and that was it done yeah and then you shoot back to elderberry Elron, ron Enron, who's obviously still morose who's going, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with all the old XBs? And then Seven of Nine says, well, I'm an XB, you cheeky bugger.
1: Well, this is it. I mean, we'll come to this. The XB storyline is another one that they left completely to one side. And I was mistaken in the last episode because I thought that the message was the Borg getting the sense to communicate with them. And it wasn't. It was, in fact, it appears to have been what you suggested last week, which was the the control thing that we came across in Discovery. The whole Borg storyline was completely redundant in this episode
0: yeah the XB storyline just a victim of the fact that we ran out of time to complete the, the full story it was looking quite promising we had a few episodes where we were beginning to see how the XBs were being reunited into a civilization, back to whatever they were as a species we were getting to understand about the Romulans and the fact that there was a select few of those who had been assimilated and it was looking that it could be to do with the Vine that they'd been purposely assimilated as we saw one of them essentially brought down the Borg cube on her own because she was a little bit um, what should we say mental and as such she ended up with that Borg cube that was in space that they'd been using to harvest the the technology and things but that didn't go anywhere which is a shame it's just just, I think that's sad because for me the Borg were a good uh, story to tell because we've seen them in all of the Star Trek shows it was just nice to have them involved in this and um, with all the connective tissue to Picard and Seven of Nine and obviously moving into Season 2 with potentially Q and Guinan and we had Hugh in this as well there was a lot of basis and architecture to plan a story of value Um, it was just thrown away at the last minute, it's very sad and I do have a continuation of my theory of how Control fits into this Story within the Borg construct, which with the lack of the story of the XBs being developed, I'm not sure how this is going to move forward now. Maybe it'll be something that moves into season two, but I'm going to explain that a bit later in the in the show.
1: If only they had extra episodes, eh? <laughs>
0: Well, we've said this before, haven't we? Many, many times. Thing is, you didn't even need lots more episodes. Maybe two or three would have been a nice rounded number to conclude all of the storylines properly. Now, as I said, it would have been really nice to have developed you know, Randa's link to all of this and how she fitted into the whole story and maybe go further into the disordered and find out you know, why this group of Romulans are the only ones that we've ever seen to be assimilated by the Borg and is it as I said before part of the Shatvadges plan to infiltrate the Borg and bring them down we don't know do we
1: well absolutely I think you've just hit the nail on the head these are all good storylines and we're not bagging on this episode because I think it was a good episode I just feel like they took on too much which we've said consistently throughout the whole of this season and the closer we've got to the end of this season the more concerned we've been as to how they're going to be able to squeeze it all in In particular episode it all came true it's like these are good threads the xb whole where did they fit into society thing the borg still being an existing threat all of these are really good valid storylines but they weren't necessary for this particular story arc and you could have shelved them till season two or spread them out into season three i mean hell there's enough here to keep you going for two or three seasons so the fact that they gave themselves too much to chew and then weren't able to do it has made this not as good a episode And possibly not even as good a season as it could have been. My notes here say Commodore O, what was the point? I mean, who is she? What is she? What was she doing? Who gives a shit? Because we saw her for about 30 seconds.
0: No, I totally agree. Um, her character in this particular series was wasted. However, I do have a potential theory to why we've not really seen too much of Seven of Nine. And that could be because I believe on the grapevine that we're potentially going to have a Seven of Nine spin-off season. So the writers could well be purposely avoiding having her in the show.
1: Oh, really? You think? Yeah. Okay. But at the end of this episode, it looked like she was going to be part of their crew didn't she
0: no yeah exactly and I think you're right I suspect she will be back for season two I hope she has more episodes in season two in fact I don't know when this supposed spin-off show is going to happen it may be in the distant future even if it happens what they could do if they were going to plan it out properly and have this a regular Star Trek show coming across the years is you know we're going to have section 31 show we're going to have possibly the 7 of 9 show we're going to have season 3 of Discovery so each time you might have a new season of each show coming out across the Years while they're filming and doing post photography of the other show i hope she is back for season two like a character like you do there may be a point in season two picard or season three picard of where seven of nine diverges away from the mermaid simply because i can't say last sort of serena properly and then that will take her into her own show and then we may have what we have in other universes like ncis and other um, long-running shows where there's spin-offs and there's crossovers like we have in the arrowverse which then gets the viewer uh, a bit more excited and continues the Buy in from new fans, old fans, and people who just really enjoy sci fi. To continue the theoryville plots further, one of the theories that's out there is that the Romulans are, in fact, the progenitors of the Borg, and that way, way back around the time of the Jat Vaj, they developed the technology that thus became the Borg. Again, another possible plot line or story arc to develop and work upon to give us not that I'm particularly interested in finding out the origins of the Borg. I'm quite happy being fearful of their species as a whole. I don't really want it to be spoon-fed and go, oh, okay, it was because somebody added a battery to a toaster and then shoved that in a microwave, added radiation, next minute you've got a Borg. I'm happy with just being aware the Borg are a species not to be meddled with. But, you know, we'll see what happens. A
1: couple of questions, because I'm hoping you might pick up on them and can answer the question. Why did they let Narik go?
0: Sorry, my friend, I have no idea why they let Narek go.
1: Oh, you're rubbish. And next <laughs> question, just to confirm, my fears that you are utterly useless in my life. The other question is, (laughs) I forgot the other question
0: (laughs) (laughs) Is that because I'm so utterly useless in your life? Oh, my God. What was it?
1: <laughs> Oh, that was it. Do we know what this vision was that we have been hanging our entire plot line on throughout the entirety of it? We now think it was a, a message from command,
0: perhaps. I said to you, didn't I, last week, that I thought that looked like the probe that the Discovery had sent into the future and come back enhanced with all those tentacle things on. It'd come back enhanced with essentially what was Control. The look to me was that it looked very similar to the one that we saw in Discovery. They close the portal very quickly So we don't really see much of it Uh, We could be again seeing that in next season At least, as we know, Discovery is in the future A hashtag, spoilers already We might see more of it The other thing worth noting Which is going to have your head exploding And your eyes bleeding I just switch off where Discovery is set they are obviously before Picard however the way season 3 is ended again more spoilers they are now in the future so they may well be nearer to Picard's future in where they are sitting than they are in Discovery's past for Picard future for them as I said before because the probe is from the future it's brought back technology we could develop more on that.
1: Basically the Romulan storyline is Narek gets freed goes to get the guys from the mermaid to give him a hand helps her them, but we don't know what happens to him. His sister gets killed after five minutes. Commodore O has a five second scene where she goes, ha ha, let's go and exterminate everyone on the ship. And then we don't really see her again until she uses, throws out another load of typically bad person lines. Doesn't fire a shot on the planet, turns around and goes home after being told by the Federation. And that kind of draws the line under the ship, vag. <laughs> you know, I just feel yeah.
0: underwhelmed. <laughs> Well, anyone who's been with the ship Vag will know that they're rubbish to be with.
1: (laughs) Were you not surprised when he went to La Serena and was explaining to the crew about what the problem was and everyone on the ship seemed to... Wholeheartedly and unequivocally accept his version of events. Okay, let's help, shall we? At no point did anyone think, hmm, maybe we should quiz him a little bit more. Cause he starts talking about this myth of a story and like, is that supposed to convince me that somehow you are telling me the truth? And secondly, <laughs> did Elnor not at any point think to say to Seven, Oh look, uh Narik's just been sneaking around in the ball cube, uh do you wanna come and find me afterwards? I'll I'll carry a, a communicator with me and when." When you finished bobbing off sister over the edge of the cliff uh you can come and meet up with me and maybe we can stick together at these dangerous and difficult times hell no none of that hell no, quite literally just jibs her off and goes off with
0: narek yeah there doesn't seem to be any solidarity at all there does there And also they appear to be doing what most people do, which is just take a fact, inverted commas, on first glance without going away and providing evidential value to that fact or checking through secondary information that what they've been told is accurate and has a basis to act upon. How did we
1: feel about the synth plot? Because I thought the synth plot in this was equally disappointing.
0: Well, before we move on to the synth plot, let me just go through a couple of things that I observed. Firstly, Picard managed to fly the mermaid uh, very quickly. Yeah. Picard bingo, have we now got a full house?
1: No, because he didn't say it. Girardi stole the line. Oh, okay. I've made a note. Hate Girardi. she stole Picard's line. <laughs> that was the only line I was waiting for. And bloody she, a oh, weepy bollocks
0: knitted. Oh. Well, clearly, we were robbed on the old Picard bingo. But the other thing I noticed, the shortage of clothing again on the synths. Is somebody missing a set of curtains?
1: <laughs> well, why is that?
0: Well, we had a bit of drift showing on one of the synths and then there was a bit of shoulder action going on on another one. Others seem to have a full set, sort of um, clothing roulette. <laughs> Moving seamlessly onto your synth plot.
1: Well, there was no plot. That was kind of my issue <laughs> it didn't move on from the last episode the entire episode involved this pylon building itself soji standing there doing a data-esque kind of weird thing with her hands i have to say i don't like you know this visual technology thing where they've got the hands pointing and touching things
0: oh you mean like the minority report
1: yeah i don't think it works i don't think this worked at all it just looked like she was moving green blocks around
0: like Tetris
1: yeah but in a shit way that's basically all that happened Sexy Soji got about 30 seconds of screen time before she was switched off
0: Um. I was just going to mention regards to the sensor ray that was being built do you remember watching the program a while ago called SG-1 yeah Stargate SG-1, kind of a spin-off of the film at the time, where they had the big bad of one of the seasons was the replicators. Very similar, in fact, to the way that this one's being built, which looks like to be nanotechnology, I suspect. But the replicators, like evil Lego, <laughs> seemed to be building blocks in a very similar fashion. Yeah. Yeah, this plot point with the synths was over far too fast. All you had, essentially, was a, a group of badly dressed mannequins going... Oh, and looking up at the sky, at whatever the sensory was doing. Just no value to the story whatsoever. Well, also, while I'm on the rant...
1: Go on, go on, kid!
0: Well, I draw your attention back to episode 9, where I was... Flowers?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: They're hardly a medieval siege weapon, are they?
1: Hang on, killer flowers, I think you'll find they were described as.
0: You clearly have the technology from the fact that these are fully operational synthetic life forms and have built an antenna to build whatever you want to build, which looks a bit more stable than flora. You have this technology to build anything, and yet you build 24 triffids. It's like, why don't you just build a massive big fuck-off iron cannon? When you've got those bloody tools that
1: basically create whatever it is you want. I mean, come on, man. The wheelchair your oyster. You're not restricted to anything beyond your imagination. You come up with a flying flower.
0: Yeah, it's like in Ghostbusters. Who's going to be a hero? The Stay off marshmallow man. <laughs> I mean, was way stands working for the synths. Going, what are we <laughs> <ask around?" laughs> you can think of anything you want to defend this planet. Hang on a minute, who's thought of flowers? <laughs> orchids? Who's thought of that? And it's like, eh, that, that'll be me. What? You could have had everything. I love I love orchids. <laughs> what? A super mega death star?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. but orchids. <laughs>
0: I'm in love with that mental one who let Narek out.
1: Well, she got switched off after the 30 seconds by Dr. Song, who did a proper flip-flop on sides. I mean, he seems surprised that Sexy Soji stabbed the other one in the eye and felt that that was the moral line he wasn't able to step over having established that the sins were planning on wiping out the entire of the organic world and the only way he was going to get out of it was by transferring his brain into a th- synthetic body but it was the murder of one of the androids it <laughs> was the moral yeah. line he was not prepared to cross in a heartbeat. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and then you've got the synths that are essentially knocked out by a taser. Well, it wasn't even that, was it? He was like switching <laughs> on one of
1: them light torches. He just put a, a rave stick on and she just fell over.
0: Light rubbing his hair with a balloon and just giving her a static shock.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the synth thing did anything, really. She switched it on. She saw the error of her ways. She switched it off again. That's exactly what we predicted was going to happen. It was exactly what did happen. And it didn't particularly happen in any great, exciting way, did it?
0: Essentially what they've done with all technology just turned it on and off again.
1: And another question, how could they see the ships? You know, when all the Romulan ships arrive and they look up and they go, ooh, there's the ships. It's like,
0: no, they're in space. Yeah, that's another valid point. I mean, unless there is lots of them that are blocking the sky although we are in the upper atmosphere in which case you've got another problem of being dragged into the orbit of the planet. Uh, The only other thing I would suggest is that you could see them probably through a telescope, um, not an astronomer. Or are we suggesting that they sense have got a better acuity of vision? I don't know.
1: Rizzo's no more, or Narissa, or
0: whatever you want to call her. You love Narissa, don't you? I suppose that's why you're on first name terms it's easy to remember Rizzo her scenes literally lasted about 10 seconds didn't they those pants will be no more well I think they chafed on the way down
1: <laughs> well it was the battle of the, uh, the sexy ladies when Seven yeah. comes and starts having a fight quick question why is it that whenever you have a standoff like the one that they did you get so close to people when you're holding the gun so you know when you're holding them at gun length and she goes up yeah. and she goes I'm now unarmed and she goes no you're not and she takes the knives out and flings them over at that mm. juncture take five steps backwards so you are well outside of the reach of somebody flicking a kick or trying to throw a punch or do something cunning you tell them to put the hands on the head to lie on the floor face down that's how you flipping disarm someone you don't <laughs> stand there less than a foot away from them particularly when they're a highly
0: skilled secret agent because guess what happens exactly what happened well we have to remember that we? this is for TV isn't it it's similar to how the how movie movies are choreographed however if somebody has got a knife or a gun the way i've been trained is i would go in closer you close the gap close the fence making it harder for them to get you or if you know the techniques you can disarm them very easily But because we live in the world of TV and not reality on this particular situation, you get yourself thrown over the balcony.
1: And I know it's sort of a, it adds to the excitement of the TV because they're not going to be able to fight if they did that and it wouldn't be as much fun. But I find fight scenes like that really irritating.
0: The fight scenes that are in this episode are firstly clickbaiter to the male fans who are watching two women fighting. Uh, the only thing you're missing there is baby oil and mud. However, I totally agree with what you're saying, as I've just mentioned before, a proper choreographed fighting scene similar to what you would see in a James Bond film or an action film. The best one I can think of is the, the Bourne films where they, in fact, changed the way fight scenes were choreographed, filmed, and edited. They changed the way we watched action fight scenes. That's not going to be something you're going to see much of in a Star Trek episode which is literally just trying to cut a thread of a storyline they are you know it's never going to be a character smashing someone's head into a kitchen sink that explodes and then wrapping a shower curtain around his neck. I mean, apparently they're all being worn by the (laughs) synths.
1: I didn't see why she needed to die either. If what's going to happen is true about the Seven of Nine spin-off, she'd be a great counterpoint body for Seven, really, given the rather callous way in which she just mass-murdered people. And you can definitely tell that Jerry Ryan isn't as skilled in the martial arts department as the young lady who's playing Narissa, because she's doing all the cool spinny kicks and the nice fight moves and Jerry's just clipped in as th- just throwing a solid right hook
0: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Peyton Lister's the character who plays Narissa or Rizzo to you Narissa is obviously highly trained and she has a shot badge and then 709 is clearly a bar fighter who does the Indiana Jones style of things and just grabs the leg and then just gives her a good smack in the face
1: yeah A-Team style <laughs> oh dear oh well we don't have to discuss her anymore because she's dead Moving on. (laughs) Yeah, moving on. We've given her more screen time than she got. What did we think of the magic gadget, dude? Last episode, we were sceptical, shall we say, about the presence of the doodah that, with the way in which it was described how it worked, suggested the world could be achieved. (laughs) Very easily, very quickly. We even went so far as, and it might have been me who said this, but I'm happy for you to jump on my bandwagon until you realise I was slightly wrong, in which case you'd probably want to get back, back off, off again. <laughs> I thought it was going to fix Picard as well, which, in my defence, they never tried. It might have worked, because it fixed every other problem that people had in front of them.
0: Well, yeah, it's the miracle tool, isn't it? I mean, but to coin a famous Arthur C. Clarke quote, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Although I was thinking that you meant the other piece of technology that you mentioned or in fact referred to with regard to uh, Rios and his football skills when we see the football actually contained... Another piece of helpful technology.
1: Oh, yes, yes. That plan was a bit shit, though, wasn't it? Didn't work.
0: Not at all. Just another wasted story plot.
1: Well, did nobody think, hmm, there might be someone in the way causing the problem, so how do we get rid of him? Well, what we could do is we could do hand-to-hand combat with robots because we're all probably able to overpower and outskill a robot, so that should go pretty good. And then we'll just throw the blowy-uppy doodah at the... <laughs> pylon and it'll all be fine what's plan b oh we don't need plan b plan a will just do fine thank you
0: well they're not fighting daleks are they let's be honest
1: i mean the only thing was he threw it so caught it and threw it away <laughs> it's like the biggest damp squid of a plan
0: what can we do with this piece of gadget oh i know let's throw it away as quick as possible so we can move on
1: yeah it'd be too easy for him to achieve it that way
0: Marketing opportunity, why not become a commercial partner of the pod station?
1: With podcast being one of the fastest
0: growing entertainment mediums, UK, forward slash station dash packages or email sponsor at
1: the for more details. Raffi, who again, I'm generally hoping that season two will give a lot more screen time to these characters because throughout, Raffi has had some beautiful one-liners, and I don't think she let us down in this episode either. I mean, even when she's been serious, ah, oh, he's done the love heart emoji, ah. Oh. <laughs> Is that for me or for Rafi? Oh, that's for you. Uh, when she fixes the thing with Rios and she asks him to say those three magic words, I think she, as an actress, is fantastic.
0: Yeah, I really like the way her character's developed. I go back to what I said last week, which is that I misjudged their character from the beginning, and that's just a really good sign of excellent writing that you are able to see her develop and actually shift your perception and judgment of the character as the story unravels. If you can manipulate the opinion or view of the viewer... Then you've certainly created a good story arc for that character.
1: I think that's the frustration, though, isn't it? I think the writing throughout this entire episode has been really, really good. The characters are quite appealing. The lines that they have are quite strong. Some of the scenes and the scripts for people like Picard are quite weighty in their content. Mm this is all great i think it just boils down to the fact that they've had to rush through these things these great characters just don't get a chance to shine
0: we've said this time and time again and then we've got to the end of the show and that's what they've done isn't it
1: well it is it very much is because picard do we think he got due service in this episode
0: i think some of his scenes were powerful i think some of them were emotionally charged we got a lot of chance throughout the 10 episodes to see his character throw us essentially off off kilter where we will believe in him to be a completely different Picard than the one we knew and again through the, the the power of story writing we're now back onto the Picard that we know and love I think he's had some good moments but then essentially the show is called Picard so I do think he did but I think probably at the cost of other stuff as well
1: well exactly we see him flying the ship the La Serena after five minutes of Watching somebody else do it uh, mm. and having had to re- teach my other half how to use Photoshop this week, I can categorically confirm it's not that easy <laughs> to, for somebody <laughs> to learn something even as complex as Photoshop. Basic.
0: You're trying to get the tipex off the screen. <laughs>
1: something like that, <laughs> the fingerprint, couldn't get rid of it. Him flying the ship was fine, but I'm glad because he got himself back into space and he was a bit more like the Picard. It was a bit frustrating that Jurati was his sidekick because she's about as useful as a chocolate yeah. teapot generally and I don't understand why she was the one who wound up helping him fly the ship in the first place. I know because they're the ones who escaped back to the ship. I thought the dialogue that he had was quite amusing, particularly with Jurati. I think he was showing signs of the frustration that i probably would be showing in that same situation i didn't mind that particularly but ultimately this oil boils down to the i'm going to sacrifice my life to save the synths and to right the wrong and that's gonna be my legacy to fix all problems the minor issue i have with this is that season two has already been announced so it's either gonna be the shittest ever season two of star trek picard because there'll be no picard or guess what he ain't gonna die in which pace you've massively spoilerized <laughs> the whole of this there is huge spoilers uh, before we'd even seen episode 1
0: yeah, I totally agree with that. And the other thing I was going to add was this all happened with 17 minutes left of the show. Yeah. You just kind of knew something else was going to happen before the end of the show, didn't you?
1: Yeah, and it's disappointing because we've got our old Picard back. Ever since he visited Will and die, he's been more like the Picard. And this episode, we see that all the more clearly. He's back in the captain's chair. He's flying the ship As a strategist, he'd already preempted the Romulans turning up, laying claim to the planet and then causing bloody murder. So he'd already covered that base by contacting Starfleet in advance to get them the Federation protection he'd already contacted Federation, he was coming up with a plan to delay the attack these are all the things that we've become synonymous with that character so it was brilliant to see him doing that again, it's just a shame that it's all crammed into such a small space of time.
0: This for me was when I thought this episode was starting to build some traction this is now a classic Next Generation episode where we have Picard with a ship in space and he's now commanding the ship himself although he is piloting it and then we get a bit of a callback to when Gerardi mentions about well it'll be quite good if there's a Picard manoeuvre and then realise the in fact there was a Picard manoeuvre one thing I didn't need to see was 25 versions of Gerardi's face on screen
1: <laughs> well she wasn't crying though was she <laughs>
0: No, agreed, but when you've got that bearing down on you. <laughs> they should have had them instead of the ship, shouldn't they? Just oh, had them projected <laughs> across the Romulans. <laughs> Just 200 faces of Jurati's big cheeky face crying across the universe. You've mentioned this in other episodes. It was more like a next generation one.
1: Well, it felt like a sci-fi, didn't it? Because we were in space yeah. and there were spaceships yeah. doing space stuff. Made all the more better with the arrival of Sir William Riker. Boom.
0: Well, yeah, his arrival just enhanced this part of the episode further. His arrival, clearly the digital departments have saved some money by just having all of the Romulan ships look exactly the same, all the Romulan warbeds identical, and now all the Federation ships that are the um, highly advanced versions are now all the same too.
1: Yeah, well, I noticed that. I was really disappointed with that.
0: Also, point of note, they didn't have any ships last week.
1: No. So where have they got them from? And Will's on the most technologically advanced best-armed ship of the fleet. But I thought that was going to be the Enterprise. I thought the Enterprise was always the flagship.
0: The Enterprise has always been the one that has been designated as the flagship ship, which provides the best in all areas that Starfleet can offer. However, the flagship title is an honorary one, so we could just argue that that is given to any ship, but ultimately, as it stands right now, the Enterprise is the one that is the flagship of Starfleet. The designation or class of the ship was always given to the name. So for example, the Reliant class would always be the USS Reliant, Constellation class would be the USS Constellation, Galaxy class was the USS Galaxy, and so on and so forth. That doesn't make them the flagship. That is just the designation of the first in the line of that class.
1: I always thought the Enterprise ship would be the one that always gets the most modern advances. That's always the best ship.
0: The Enterprise would be the flagship, depending on which version they're on. The last one I was aware of was J, which goes into the 30th 30th century in Star Trek Enterprise. We're not there yet, so I'm not sure what version we're on right now, whether the Enterprise A is still operational. However, whether they get top-range military equipment is in question depending on when it was built so if it's been in operation for five years it might get it updated when it goes for a refit however any other classes of ships which is the one that riker could be um, in right now would in fact supersede what is currently installed on the enterprise
1: quite frankly i don't care because will riker came back and he was brilliant I absolutely thought he smashed this although i would also say that possibly the costume design department probably used up you know we were saying where all the material has gone to dress the synths they possibly needed that extra material for all will's <laughs> old will's uniform although maybe that's how Because maybe he was naked from the waist down. We didn't see him. Think beyond there, did we? I mean, he was brilliant. He just pulled it off i mean i went so fanboy when he arrived on that screen in that outfit spouting in the way that he was
0: well i think he pulled it off along with a lot of other male fans <laughs> yeah
1: he was brilliant it was quite abundant that the ships were all identical perhaps that is not surprising given the main place where they build all the ships
0: you mean the mars planitia
1: shipyards had been completely destroyed they've obviously had to find some other way of building them and they've had to build mirror vessels so they can mass produce very quickly to replenish the ships that they need
0: what it's clear from this episode is you have a production model t ford class starship which can be created very quickly And is the height of the technology that they've got right now, the latest class of ship that can be deployed very quickly. One thing that is important to note is the Mars Planitia shipyards are the ones that have been heavily mentioned across Star Trek canon. However, there are a vast many Starfleet shipyards across the territories, those notably being the lunar shipyards, the beconor cosmodrome the 40 eridani starfleet construction yards the Antares shipyards the oakland fleet yards the madden county starfleet yards the proxima maintenance yard the san francisco naval yards tranquility base and basically they've got across 8,000 light years about 150 different shipyards and repair places which means they could very quickly within a short space of time replace ships like they did in voyage end game they were able to within nine years replace the fleet with 27 starships for the episodes Voyager Endgame. But it seems the necessity to rebuild quickly over the conflicts they've had in starfleet as you've said which i would agree with that it makes sense to have a production version that they can build very quickly
1: oh but how amazing was it that will was and how great was the scene that he has with picard after they've chased the romulans off and they just have that little bit of man love it was just amazing it was just so good it was so well written the irony is he wasn't particularly on screen any longer than say seven was in this episode but the effect that he has had on this entire season with just such that short space of screen time It's quite impressive to be honest
0: yeah it's just the star power that he brings to the character isn't it and also because we've seen him in next generation we've got that investment into the character as well haven't we yeah and what do
1: we think about the death scene we've got to talk about it we can't ignore it i kind of want to ignore it but let's not ignore it so jean-luc picard dies everybody or does he what did we think?
0: It was the typical sacrifice yourself for everyone else. We'd seen it before with Spock where he sacrifices himself the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one or the few. For me, just predictable.
1: Well, it was massively predictable. We figured that that was going to happen but that ultimately he, he wasn't going to die because there's no way he could have season two without him. I think this death scene was put in just so that Gerardi could cap off the full ten episodes with a crying scene <laughs> because without that she wouldn't have got a cry in this, this episode.
0: I think she's paid back I tears
1: <laughs> it just loses the gravitas when there is no consequence to what happens if we know he's gonna die but we pretty much suspect he's gonna live again it becomes just a little bit of an awkward scene to what because you're almost thinking can we get this over a bit really please because we know it's not gonna stick you're watching raffi have a good cry and elnor having a good cry and patrick Stewart pulling out his shakespearean acting skills nice long lengthy deaths where he talks to everybody and uh, in great detail before eventually the darkness (laughs) ensconcing him only for him to survive and it's like really okay
0: yeah it was a little contrived because you knew with the fact that there was 17 minutes left of the episode that something else was going to happen you knew that if he wasn't going to die that ultimately we'd established that his brain condition meant he was going to die so something had to happen for him to, as you rightly say, get a season two.
1: The first thing I want to talk about is the failure for Soji and Jurati and Dr. Sung to give the heads up to the other people i.e. Seven, Rios, Elnor, Raffi, that there may be a possibility of saving Picard. They seem to have glossed over that slight little nugget of information, so they've left Raffi sitting on a hill, utterly demoralised because she's just lost her mentor with a drink and drug problem, probably gnawing. <laughs> at her as she's desperate for both to try and quell that feeling of utter loss that she's just experienced Rios and Seven take themselves away to a cliff edge which is a dangerous place to go when you're feeling a bit down (laughs) to drink some weird alcohol stuff to try and drown their sorrows as Rios makes a promise that he's never going to let anyone in again because that's the second captain he cares for deeply that he's lost and at no point did Gerati or Soji or Sung think we might want to tell these really utterly distraught human beings that there might be a solution to this problem and whilst they're obviously going to feel anxious while we fix it. Maybe not to get the morning glasses out just yet because there might not be an end to this just yet.
0: Having had the relationship that they had and built up over the previous episodes, you would have thought that somebody would have decided to tell somebody that it was a second option. It would have avoided all the sadness and given further hope to his survival.
1: It was indicative of this episode and how they were so scattergun and very short with how things did so they, they showed people mourning this only for them to bring in the data scene which was a great scene, by the way. Very Harry Potter-esque. You mentioned they were stealing Stargate's technology of the replicator. This was stolen right out of the last film of Harry Potter, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, it was. But I actually thought it was a really nice scene. Well-written, really uh, emotionally charged scene between Data and Picard. Actually, I would go as far as saying that actually all the hairs on the back of my neck were sticking up. You could tell from the way they were acting the scene that they'd obviously got a really off-screen friendship and that the characters you could buy into the fact that each of the characters really had a a genuine love for each other.
1: Yeah, I thought so. I mean, it was nice to see Data anyway, and it was the proper Data we saw. Yeah. And their interaction was give you the same warm and fuzzies that you enjoyed with Riker and Troy earlier on, definitely. I thought it was a really nice scene and I think what they were saying was quite profound until, of course, again, I thought it was quite emotional when Data was asking Picard to unplug him when he got back because of course it never dawned on us that Data having transferred everything into B4 meant that he couldn't technically end his existence as it were, and was almost stuck in the limbo of having to experience everybody else's limbo, whilst not being able to do it for himself. Yeah, it was a great scene.
0: It also gave some closure, I felt, to what happened in Nemesis. Because in Nemesis, the abruptness and the opportunity for a farewell was essentially stolen away from Picard, simply down to the situation they were in at the time. And I felt that this gave the opportunity to give proper closure to both Data and Picard and give enough time for a thoughtful farewell. It was a bit melancholy, but it was one of those scenes in this episode that for me I felt set the bar in terms of its marking higher than other episodes.
1: And how do we feel about the fact that Picard is now a synth?
0: Well, he went into the Golem, didn't he? And that was probably the only solution to his not dying and being in season two. Yeah. I'm trying not to think of him as a synth now.
1: Well, I don't like thinking of him as a synth. I appreciate they tried to retcon everything about that whole fact by, yeah, you're still going to die as normal and you've not got any superpowers. We basically made you a normal normal person but you're a synth (laughs) i don't like the fact that picard is a synth,
0: and also 94 years old i'm sure they're putting that in for some purpose to keep everyone happy with regards to timelines
1: i think they've got a guard against the fact that stewart might die at any point because he's getting older isn't he
0: yeah yeah but he's not 94 is he
1: no he's not
0: i wasn't very happy i'm trying to bury like a memory of soji's that he isn't a synth (laughs) Because I'm a purist, I'm going to end up seeing him in a different light. And I don't like it when they do things like this and change stuff like that because like we were talking a few weeks ago with the way they changed the Picard that we knew and loved, we weren't warming to the character. So again, this change of the Picard I know is not going to sit right and now we've got back the Picard we know, we haven't got back the Picard we know.
1: Yeah. It creates a whole new world of vulnerabilities for him, so if anyone wanders around with that rave stick, they can just switch him off now, (laughs) presumably. And I thought Dr. Sung was awfully quick at agreeing to give up his opportunity of immortality. He doesn't strike me as someone who would be so freely given of something so important, A, to him, his work, and to his future survival. He kind of goes, oh, let's just give it to Picard, shall we? And by the way, we'll unplug data and essentially undo all my hard work for the entirety of my life yeah of course no i'll do that i've thought long and hard about this in the 30 seconds since he's died
0: yeah his character did Book the curve in regard to the zooms that we've seen throughout the Star Trek canon, but what it did seem to do is make a mockery of all of his life's work and the storyline that was surrounding all of that. And also, he's not as old as Picard, so maybe he can build himself another one.
1: Maybe. And what do we think about Data's death scene? Because Data who was already dead eventually got Another death scene So that Fat Data need be no more
0: To be fair Fat Data wasn't as fat as he was at the beginning Because they've been on the old CGI haven't they
1: It did look like that Or he had a corset
0: on The reason why he looked like he was really dying Because he was holding his breath for about five minutes To keep his stomach in (laughs) Breathe in breathe in breathe in breathe in I love you but God
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you could walk out a bit quicker than that so why was Data dressed like Hugh Hefner for his death scene?
0: Well, do you not remember when Data was doing his Sweet Sherlock Holmes novels? He used to wear that silk dressing gown, didn't he?
1: Ah, is that why? Yeah, hmm. he did, actually.
0: And he'd have the pipe and slippers as well, and sometimes he'd wear the Deerstalker. But what I think is that scene really sent shivers down my spine and was just... Another great scene for this episode. Yeah,
1: it did. I'm glad you've explained it because when I rewatch it, perhaps I will get that same feeling. I was, I'd forgotten that, so I was a little bit bemused why he was dressed like Hugh Hefner. I also couldn't help but notice that it was located in Picard's uh, <laughs> chateau every scene house. They were obviously saving budget
0: money on scenes. The other thing worth noting just to unpack this further it could be a nicely placed callback to all good things and in this episode Data appears to Picard in one of the scenes that he is existing in the past the present and the future and you'll recall that Data was fashionably wearing a grey streak in his hair was a lecturer of a university I'm not too sure which one it was it could be a callback to that.
1: Yeah possibly. It looks like we've got our new crew set up for the start of season two which includes Jurati woohoo uh- <laughs> elnor is back seven looks like she's going to be part of the clan raffi rios picard of course soji looks like she's going to be part of the gang too we've got the crew for the next season i'm reluctant to see you ask you where you see this going from this point because i think this is a topic we can probably get stuck into in our season overview are you happy about that crew are you surprised by some of the inclusions
0: i thought it was pretty much going to go that way i thought we'd lose seven of nine i definitely thought we'd lose durati maybe keeping durati on the ship is just something to uh, frustrate the viewers until the um, beginning of season two where she'll be uh, ejected out of an air airlock <laughs> wasn't sure whether we'd end up keeping Elsie because he started off really strong with his sword fighting skills but as the seasons develop he's not really a character that i felt had any value to the, the overall story he seems to be lacking in self-confidence he doesn't seem to be a structured member of the team he keeps Keeps disappearing. You, you can't trust him in that in that regard. Yeah,
1: he's very emotional, isn't he?
0: Yeah, he does get very affected by things around him. Now he might be a very talented warrior, but you want someone who's a bit stronger mentally to deal with the things going on around you. Yeah. You have got a really ragtag group of people, haven't you? You've got Gerati who just cries and hides under the tables. You've got seven of nine who just can't fight very well, but just punch you in the face. You've got Rios who. Has some issues and has just created five versions of himself. You've got an alcoholic and an addict, and you've then got a sword fighter who is very good at um, fighting but get upset about it <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean I'm looking forward to season 2 I think the crew that they've now got together is great I like each and every one with the exception of Jurati I can even tolerate Jurati because she's just a punch bag as a character isn't she really I think we've had a nice taster of each of those characters backgrounds to be excited to learn more about them I think this first season had a more simpler plot running through it if they Hadn't have had all the Borg stuff if they hadn't have complicated it with too many additional superfluous characters like Commodoro, even Rizzo to a degree. I mean I guess I know you need a baddie, and I think if you'd have just had Narissa and Narik sort of leading the shit vag storyline as opposed to Commodoro, and if you'd have kept it quite tight and slimlined, that could have been sort of the overarching universe destroying type storyline. But yeah. it would have actually freed up so much more time for you just to properly get stuck into the crew and their character backstory so that for season two you can probably throw in a really complex really heavy storyline whether it be what's happening with the Borg or the XBs or the social injustices they've created etc etc you could throw all that in because you've already got the background structure of the crew already in place you don't need to spend as much time on them as such because we can fill in the gaps in our own minds
0: well exactly and that's a good element of storytelling that the viewer doesn't need to be told exactly where they need to be they can work it out for themselves without being handheld i mean the plot points you've already referred to didn't go anywhere did they so you've got commodore O turns up with a huge armada of ships only to be turned away by a pile of flowers and riker then you've got the xbs who most of them get wiped out by narissa the rest possibly destroyed when they crash into a planet they don't go anywhere you've got picard's mate Who turns up for a couple of episodes? All right, Picard. (laughs) <laughs> He'll be back for season two. You don't know how many of the XPs were lost to the desert waste. I mean, what happens now? Do they stay on the planet? Is somebody going to go and pick them up? What goes on?
1: That's a great point. The Romulans turn up to destroy the planet. The Federation turn up and scare them off. The Romulans disappear. Federation just buggers straight off. What was to stop the Romulans from just coming back again? The Federation didn't appear to leave any sort of envoy that could go down to the planet first and foremost and see where the land lay, bearing in mind that these we were just about to contact an evil alien race that we didn't know about that was going to destroy all of mankind and yet we don't seem to have followed that line in any way shape or form. everyone turned up everyone buggered off and everyone's like yeah apparently the synths have changed their mind so we'll we'll just leave that as is shall we
0: what yeah you got the synths and the xbs and the botanical gardens working together didn't really answer any questions did it it was um, a loose thread we might pick up on their story in season two where we find that the Board cube and turn into a multi-story complex where the synths and the XPs are working together with the garden centre and them working in harmony. So we might develop that story more. But what was the peak of this episode where we get the engage and the next generation music and the next generation warp into the sort of warp speed portal? Yeah, no, I agree.
1: It felt like the end of a film, didn't it? At the end, when the credits came yeah. up, I thought I'd been watching a feature-length film. Well, it was playing in the background when Will was throwing his enormous cock around. It- (laughs) and just being the big
0: dad. That's why they went out of material.
1: (laughs) Have we got any Easter eggs from this episode?
0: Warning! Warning! There was probably loads that I've missed, so I'll be as quick as I can getting through the ones that I saw across the ten episodes. Picard has always used the signature "Make it so." However, as you mentioned, this time he was robbed, and Crybaby McGee steals it from him. Outrageous. During the scene when Agnes is trying to delay the attack by the Romulan fleet, she says that she should come up with something called the Picard maneuver. Remembers that there's already a thing called that, which is the tactical move in Starfleet when Picard is fighting the Ferengi. He makes it look like the stargazer is in two places at once with a short-range warp jump so they do the same and instead we get to see 250 Faces of Girati, Scary. <laughs> Nobody...
1: He's going to have nightmares about that for years.
0: Blue Skies is an easter egg that I mentioned in episode 1 of this series. For those who remember, it's the Ervin Berlin song that is a callback to the song that Data sang at Riker and Deanna Troi's wedding in Star Trek Nemesis. The song plays for one last time in the simulated world, the scene with Picard and Data for just one last yeah. time. During the fight scene with Narissa and Seven we get Justice for You, another Borg that has been brought back into the fold from having all of the Borg technology taken off him. The first time we see Seven is during the episode where Icheb who has been taken under her wing is killed and so this gives a closure on the scene and, and again during this same scene is another little easter egg. Larissa calls Seven of Nine Queen Annika which is a little bit of a dig to the time when Seven was in a brief control of the artifact and there's also a note that Annika was assimilated when she was a mere six years old and Annika's parents for those who are fans of the show will remember that they were researchers who studied the Borg until they were discovered by the collective and also assimilated. So those two Easter eggs in canon.
1: She gets her ass kicked then.
0: As you mentioned, Will Raker turns up and uh, gets some screen time. We... <laughs> <laughs> what did I say?
1: <laughs> I don't know, that's funny. Isn't it? He sounded quite disdainful about the way he described it. He just kind of turns up, he gets himself some screen time and Punch pay a packet, a big <laughs> one, no <laughs> doubt, and then just buggers off.
0: The Shad badge family tree. <laughs> We know from season one that Narissa and Narek are brother and sister. We also know that Ramda's related. But we get to find out in this episode that apparently the parents of Narissa and Narek were also followers of the philosophy of the Shat Vaj and died for it as it happens. Clearly the following of this philosophy goes quite deep, so it seems.
1: Yeah, they were born into the cult.
0: Yeah, they've been born into a cult essentially and brought up with the teachings of the philosophy.
1: Yeah, a bit like uh, Elnor really.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Now just another little easter egg connected to the Will Riker one apart from him jumping in getting a big fat check and then new uniform and then jumping out again um, <laughs> during the bit when Will Riker turns up with the fleet of ships to frighten off the Romulans the name of the ship that Riker's on is the Zheng He which for those who are interested a Chinese explorer who lived during the Ming dynasty now here's a big one for you take a deep breath Um <laughs> the Treaty of Algaron during the scene when Riker swoops in and tells the Romulans to do one He mentions the Treaty of Algoron. Now this is a pretty big easter egg for those who are fans of the Star Trek shows. People will remember that the Treaty of Algoron was the one that ended the war between the Federation and Romulus more than 100 years ago. It originally created the Neutral Zone, which was between the Empire and the Federation. And if the Romulans were to violate the Neutral Zone, it would mean war for the Federation once again. The Treaty of Algoron was a peace treaty that was signed between the Federation of Planets and the Romulan Star Empire in 2311 which followed the events of the Tomed incident. The Treaty of Elgaron was signed approximately 160 years after the conclusion of the earth romulan War, which was seen in the Next Generation episode, Pegasus, and also the Enterprise episode, These Are The Voyagers. It's probably reasonable to assume that the Treaty of Elgaron may have been signed on the planet of Elgaron IV, but what the point of it was was to reinforce and redefine the Romulan neutral zone, and it also made clear that any violations of the zone without adequate notification of either side would be considered as an act of war. Uh, this was obviously mentioned in the next generation episode the defector and also the enterprise episode these are the voyagers the treaty also made clear that it prohibited the development or use of cloaking device technology by the federation which in the episode pegasus was clearly circumvented and the other time which wasn't really made clear whether the romulan was unhappy with this was in the episode deep space nine call to arms when they used cloaking ability on their minds however there was an exception to the rule of the treaty in 2371 which allowed the supervised use of cloaking technology people remember on the USS Defiant during the Deep Space Nine episodes The Search Part One and Visionary. However it was violated a few times by Captain Sisko in Way of the Warrior and other episodes. Another nice easter egg was the links to Data. Obviously episode one we get to see the visions that Picard have had of his good friend. Although we don't really see Data in real life we get as close as we're going to get to the closure of Data's death. Uh, As we mentioned before, it's a really nice scene and just a nice callback to the relationship of Picard and Data, I thought. He
1: was wearing the uniform that he died in though, wasn't he? Whereas in the previous Visions, we've seen him in the next-gen outfits.
0: Yeah, that's right. And it also brought up, I suppose, the mortality of Data. He spent most of his time trying to become more human, just gets to see Picard one last time and asks him for the one last thing he needs, which is the mortality. You get that scene where he explains that mortality is a huge part of what makes human experiences a powerful part of life and that's how data has been expecting that he might live for uh, an exceedingly long time or forever but now he's faced with death gives him the meaning in it and as I said earlier I just thought it was a really nice ending to his story arc yeah I did I don't think we're going to see him in season 2 in fact what I do know from extracurricular investigations and fact finding is that the actor Brent Spiner actually wanted to be written out in fact that's why they had him killed in Star Trek Nemesis he felt that he did well he didn't want to become Pigeonhole, he wanted to broaden his horizons. Right, then he ran
1: out of money and changed his tact. (laughs)
0: Uh, you made a note of it early on and mentioned Picard's Shakespearean approach and those who will be fans of The Next Generation will know that this was one of the character traits of Picard with his knowledge of the classics and those who are aware of Sir Patrick Stewart will know that in fact he is a classically trained despian and has done quite a lot of plays with the Royal Shakespeare Theatre Company and he's a member of the Royal Shakespeare Theatre Company as well along with many other people such as uh, Ian McKellen, Sir Derek Jacoby, Helen Mirren and many others, I think there's about 450 people People I was going to say he named some
1: more. <laughs> I was yeah. going to test well, your knowledge it's, it's, there.
0: But the Easter egg isn't the fact that he is a classically trained thespian. It is, in fact, that he uses a line from The Tempest, which is a, a Shakespearean quote, and he says, We are such stuff as dreams are made of, and our little life is rounded with a sleep. And that's from The Tempest play that Data performed with Picard during their time on the Enterprise for Data to try and understand his humanity better.
1: Yeah, I loved that bit. I thought he, that was really quite touching as well.
0: Just before we get to the end of the episode, we get a sort of a final moment on the mermaid and this pans across the crew. And as it pans across Seven of Nine, we see what looks like to be a pile of rods now those of fans of the the show will know that that is the game calto which was used notably in fact on voyager tuvok used to play the game with harry kim who was never able to beat him but the first time that seven tried it with tuvok she beat tuvok in one move as i remember then we also get to finish off the series of easter eggs we get engaged uh, we end this, the episode with john luke finally taking on the captain's role and he gets to zoom off and explore the galaxy again with his crew and we get that expectant order of engage now the very last thing isn't in fact an easter egg it's more of a observation or comparison to what i was saying about control now we mentioned earlier that the doctor octopus style thing that's coming out of that wormhole could well be control Um, And I just want to read what Control says to Leyland in Discovery. There are 7,000 active ships in Starfleet, all reliant on the chain of command. That chain is unquestioned, unbroken, unseen. Every instruction passed down through channels. In time, even those who would not follow my agenda knowingly will. And later says, struggle is pointless. So what I really wanted to throw out there for the listeners is: Do we get a glimpse of control, which is from Discovery? Uh, now that being a link to potentially season three. Section 31 was using the control as their threat assessment system, and then when Discovery sent the probe from returning from the future, it became a time-traversing cephalopod. Just wanted to just throw that out there, and really. is it potentially is that the Borg link that we've been talking about? Very
1: good. What well, would you give this score out of ten, and why? Don't give me your season score. We'll save that for the next episode. Just this episode, what would you give it out of 10?
0: I wouldn't give a season score because I believe that to be an average. I was going to give it 9. But having assimilated it properly, I'm going to give it a 10. And, what? The reason, and the reasons why, the scenes of the few outweighed the scenes of the many. <laughs> what? You have never given 10 for anything. I'll give you a 10. <laughs>
1: Oh, nice. And I give you a right back. But you've never given a ten for anything because you always say there's nowhere to go when you give it ten.
0: I do, and you know why I'm gonna give it a ten now? Go on. Because it's got nowhere to go. Because it is the end of the season. Oh nice. Wow. Do you want me to give you the reason for why? You can have to. Although we have the frustration of plot points and the stories that we've been developing over the series not really going anywhere, the powerful scenes between Data, Picard, Riker, Picard. Then in addition to those scenes you You've got the one-liners or the humour between the other characters, Picard back onto the ship. Just the nuance and the nostalgic approach to the whole episode, really. And that is what took away my focus from the frustrations of the stories that didn't really go anywhere. <sighs> what about you? Well,
1: I'm not going to give it a 10. For all the reasons we've already mentioned, there are some gaping flaws in this episode there are storylines that are dropped like a stone there are characters who are given rather unceremoniously sharp endings because they know they don't have the time or the capacity to squeeze it in and if i'm going to compare this show with other shows out there at the moment that's just not good enough there's no reason or justification for them being able to do that and so i have to take that into account when giving them a score by the same token. And I absolutely agree with you There were some brilliantly funny one-liners There's been some excellent performances In this episode The nostalgic scenes were exceptional Absolutely phenomenal I mean, the Will Riker, Picard one I mean, I have forgot to mention When they say goodbye to one another And then when the screen cuts off And, yeah. and Picard just goes jaw under his breath It was, was just I'm sitting there thinking Wow, that's the last time he's going to see him Except, of course, I know That's not going to be the last time he sees him Because he's not going to die Which he Again, spoils this episode. The Data scene was phenomenal. Great to see him again. It was great to see the character of Data again. The way that they interact, the way he talks and processes information, that was brilliant. So, if it was just on the nostalgic bits, I'd be giving it a nine, possibly a ten. If I was giving it based on the plots and some of the character development and use, I'd be giving it a six, maybe a seven if it was lucky. So, I'm gonna have to pitch it in the middle, and I'm gonna go for an eight. I think an eight is a fair representation of the failings of this episode and of the strength of some of those scenes I could have given it a nine I could be easily persuaded to wander into a nine territory because of those things but I think eight I'm sticking with an eight
0: that's still a strong score though isn't
1: it it is it was a good episode I thoroughly enjoyed it it was an end to this season I don't think it was a satisfactory ending to the storyline that they've been dragging out for the last 10 episodes which is why it's got that score
0: yeah it has made a few faults in regards to the narrative and the storyline and the plot points but I think the overwhelming facts that you've got good cinematography, the the music the score, the dramatic scenes the effects that we've got that we've seen, the battles, the general overriding nostalgia for me is what set the bar higher.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: The other key point to mention which I think you've brought up is that we just love Picard. I'm sure you mentioned one that you could just do a dump on a car bonnet and be like alright mate, how much you want for that? (laughs) And because we've been with Picard through the entirety of his career we can't do any wrong in our eyes which is why when he did go off the rails a little bit in our eyes we were a little bit preserved but essentially he's back on track now You know, we're kind of fans again
1: yeah absolutely we're going to do another episode it might be a two-parter because we don't know how much there is to unpack from this entire episode we're going to re-watch the whole thing from scratch and then we're going to do a full episode with you, me, Ben we're going to get Matt back in and we're going to get a full take of what everybody thoughts and feelings are on the episode as a whole We still want you to let us know what you thought, A, of this particular episode and B, what you thought of the season as a whole. We'll stick some Twitter polls out there. There's already the Twitter poll for this episode. In maybe a week's time, I'll throw the poll out there for the season as a whole so that we don't end up with getting people getting overwhelmed with polls when they're sitting at home doing nothing (laughs) else. Let us know. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. Stick your comments on there. It's at Picard Talk. We can read them out on the show. We can make sure that you get a full say on how you think things are gone and and where you think things are going to go in the future. If you want to send us an email, it's BicardTalk at thepodstation.co.uk where you can also find the whole plethora of other shows that we've got on there. There's some great stuff, particularly at the moment. We're making sure that people are turning out plenty of shows to keep you all occupied. You can catch this show on all of the major podcast platforms, so go and find them, subscribe, and then the next time when we drop an episode, it'll automatically download onto your device give us reviews you want five star reviews share them with your friends and your family any trek fans you know if you're in a group stick it in there so that people can listen to it want to hear everybody's thoughts we want as many people on board as possible what else mate patreon patreon patreon.com forward slash the pod station why do we want people to go there my friend
0: well because these episodes don't happen by magic unlike that tool on episode 10 (laughs) a lot of time and effort and in fact money goes into the production and creation of these podcasts if you Want to personally support us? There are tiers that might suit your wallet. Now, it isn't a fresh air fee. We are giving away things and different bonuses or concessions on clothing. And in fact, to the higher tiers, you may well be invited to appear on the show. It
1: just helps keeps the lights on, doesn't it? The more support we get from you guys, the more we'll be able to produce valuable Trek content. There is also packages out there for you to be able to do your own podcast show.
0: That is absolutely correct. Because we offer the full package and the whole infrastructure is available to your fingertips. We can give you as much or as little as you need depending on your skill level, so if you're a novice, you're not familiar with editing or the way in which a podcast is created or recorded, we can provide you with all of that. If you are more skilled than the average Joe and you can do this with your eyes closed, then we can offer you the next level up to have it on our platform to add in all the bits and pieces that you will need us to do for you, making sure that you're not left liable to copyright infringement, etc. and our terms and conditions. So basically we can offer you all of the things in one place. How exciting is that?
1: Or if you're uh, in charge of the fasting. This coolest best arm technologically advanced spaceship and you want to do a podcast about that <laughs> or magical gizmos that do whatever it is you want them to do at any given time
0: well why not even do one on harry potter if it takes your fancy
1: exactly you can That's talk about the scenes that were stolen that. from Picard. <laughs> 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 so fantastic we're, i think we've done that episode so far as i think we're satisfied
0: yeah we have Big thank you to all the listeners who've taken the time to listen to our shows over this season. Thanks very much.
1: Yeah, thank you for for listening, guys. We much appreciate it. Check out the next show. If you haven't listened to the previous shows, they're all there, aren't they, to listen to?
0: Yeah, all the episodes might be worth going back to the beginning, listening to our original shows. What did we predict? What did we say we thought was going to happen? Were we right? Were we wrong? Did we change our mind through the course of the season? Let us know. Are we happy about Jurati? Well, the answer is no, and that's not going to change.
1: (laughs) (laughs) indeed indeed all right guys well thanks a lot for listening take care stay safe
0: yeah thanks guys take it easy watch out for zombies take care make it so number one